Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for November 4th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous sponsors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, Case Low. In case we are 36 hours, I'd say 36 hours out of Gated Destiny. Uh, it was a the, the big show in Osaka each year. And, you know, I just finished watching this about an hour and a half ago. So everything's real recent with me. So I'm really stoked to get into this. But first and foremost, how are you doing, bud? Mike Spears, I am in mourning today. I I am not doing great, and that is because, and I will I will finally expand upon my thoughts of not doing great instead of shoveling it aside like I normally do. But that's because as of the time we're recording this, and granted, things could definitely change within the twelve hours between now and when this episode is released. But as of the time we're recording this on November fourth, twenty twenty one. Akira Tozawa is still employed by World Wrestling Entertainment, and I, quite frankly, am just devastated by that. Yeah, Black Thursday has happened. God, you think they'd give him like a, a little bit of time after that uh, earnings call, but I guess maybe just like rip the bandaid off. And with all the names, Akira Tozawa noted that he crossed five years in WWE earlier this week, and then proceeds to see a lot of people let go, and he's still playing ninja doing 24 7 title stuff i think i mean that that's all i could really tell he does have something to look forward to case though what's that he can look forward to trolling king shimizu's new instagram account one of his favorite pastimes i've said it on the show before and i mean it in the most genuine way possible it speaks to just how talented akira tozawa is that a junior heavyweight japanese wrestler who 
was brought in in some form or fashion to be a featured act in NXT, who was eventually called up to the main roster, is still employed by the WWE. It shows, despite how bad his material is, just how good he is at delivering it. And it sucks, quite honestly. I hate it. I wish he was bad at his job. I wish he was back in Japan. But he keeps on surviving these cuts, and... It breaks my heart because, like you said, he just celebrated five years of gradu- of graduating from Dragon Gate. That show, Gate of Destiny 2016, main event was BB Hulk, Yamato, and Shingo Takagi versus Tozawa, Yoshino, and Doi. Somehow, Hulk, Yamato, and Doi are the only three left in the promotion at this point. That's a very historic show, and that's one that I, I have not rewatched any of it since it happened but it's an interesting show that i should probably go back and watch the opening match on that show futa nakamura hyo watanabe and shun watanabe versus kaito ishida takahiro yamamura and punch tamanaga one of those names is not like the others but that is a remarkable match to think five years later shun is in a featured match he's a former dreamgate champion Ben K was in a title match. He's a former Dreamgate champion. Kaito Ishida's on the best run of his career. Hyo's on the best run of his career. And if it wasn't for injury, Takahiro Yamamura would be a star in some promotion somewhere in the world. It's remarkable what Dreamgate has done in five years. I just wish Akira Tozawa was here to do it with them. Yeah, uh, remember like this was probably pretty early when we knew each other. Uh, how much I was into like the idea of Watanabe, Watanabe, and Nakamura W two N. Like, like that was like a neat little class that they had. Uh, the the three of them were constantly in trios matches together, and they had like a great dynamic because you had Shun as like the lanky guy, you had you had Benkei as just like the utter hoss that he is, and you had like Hio just as like the spark plug there. Like that was like a really fun little like rookie group that they had for a while and it's just like kind of remarkable to think of like that i we talk about eras we talk about sea changes on the program a lot but that really gate of destiny 2016 the further we get away from it the further like i'm convinced that that was one of the like major touch points like of course the second split would probably be the bigger sign of transition there but i mean at least like generational changes like that was you know the uh in a lot of ways the end of the big six era and you know the start of like the intermediate period before we had the uh toro Kido led dragon gate coming out of may 2018 there's a few points i want to make to that because you're absolutely right i am incredibly nostalgic over the summer of 2016 period of dragon gate i think it's one of the golden eras of the promotion somewhere kicking off in 2014 through kobe world 2016 it was just a remarkable period for this promotion and the tail end of that you saw in the debut of futa nakamura who became ben k and hyo watanabe who's obviously hyo and then shun watanabe who if you're a newer fan of dragon gate if you popped in say you know, Kobe World 2019 with the with the first English commentary broadcast, you might not have any idea that Shun wrestled for a few months without a mask. And it was one, it was incredibly confusing having a Hyo Watanabe and a Shun Watanabe because they were both young boys at the time, just wearing black trunks and it took us a, a, a hot second to figure out exactly who was who. And then in November of 2016, Ben K became Ben K, Shun put on a mask and Hyo Look, I said it at the time, it's not a comp that I think necessarily holds up. It's not a comp that I'm super proud of, 
but there was a point in time, and this is right as Mike and I started to interact with one another, where we were comparing Hyo to 1998 Shima in Michinoku Pro in the early Toriyaman days because he had charisma that just felt just ungodly. He reminded us so much of Shima. The way he moved around the ring at that point was very similar to a, a pre-peak uh, era Shima has that comp necessarily worked out? No, it has not. But again, he's in a very good place in his career right now. The Gate of Destiny card is just a fast thing you want to look back on. Let me, let me pause right there. Do you have anything you want to add on the class of 2016 during this era of their of their careers before I move on? No, no, I, I don't. Well, I, I just, I'm looking at this card now, and I remember that Ata versus Flamita Brave Gate match. And I, I don't remember it being a great match. But I do remember it being a big deal that that was happening because this is still Flamita before he had any muscle. This is still in that golden era of Flamita's career. This was Ata coming off the best summer of his life and him as this Brave Gate champion. And oh my God, what's this going to lead to? And for, you know, at the time, I was like, well, this is going to lead to him being an awesome babyface champion and possibly a Dreamgate champion. And then he turned heel and I, I hated him for the next year and a half. And now we're. We're we're on a neutral setting with Ata. It's a it's a love and hate relationship, but I like a lot of what he's got going on right now. And then you have these two matches here: the Triangle Gate match and the Twin Gate match. And I didn't necessarily anticipate to break down Gate of Destiny 2016 in full, but I do find these two matches to be interesting for different reasons. One, the Triangle Gate match was Horiguchi, Kanda, and Saito defending the belts against Cyber Kong, T Hawk, and Brother Yashi, and. Big R Shimizu, Masaki Mochizuki, and Peter Kasa to pull a page from Norm McDonald's playbook. Mike, why don't you explain to the folks at home who Peter Kasa was? So Peter Kasa was the last person brought in from uh, WWN. He was actually from my ne- or or he's from the neck of the woods I live in now. He's originally from Charleston. I think he, they built him from Folly Beach, which was a uh, which is like the big beach in the state. But it's Something that like incredibly jacked, uh, does not have a body type dissimilar to modern uh wrestler Rex Steiner, uh, aka Braun Breaker, could f- flip like crazy, and that was something that was a little scary because he could flip like crazy. Ultimately, he became the last member of Monster Express, and he sadly, because of WWN reasons, you know, gave running a or borrowing a cheap ring. Uh, he had his ma- his career ended in a match against Keith Lee in San Antonio, Texas, and now he is a firefighter and also acting in area TV shows. He was on Vice Principals, most notably. Oh which... hell yeah! So, uh, yeah, like, like he was someone that was like he was like a, a touch point for a while, you know, like he was, and, and, and it was something that was kind of like remarkable. Like he was very much a Shima guy, like Jack does all get out does flips does like throws like like he was a shima guy and he was someone that like was kind of like the last person brought in due to wwm which is an insane thing to think about when you consider that lineage and you're to some degree Pac and and then obviously ricochet rich swan uh brody lee all these people that were brought in because of gabe and that list ends with peter casa which is just a bizarre thing to think about but i always like when his name pops up just because it's such an oh yeah that guy and then there's the Twin Gate match on this show, which to your point of of this show really representing the beginning of a change in era, it was Shima and Dragon Kid beating Kagator and Susumu for the Twin Gate belts. And this reign, 
kicked off the last important thing that Shima ever did in Dragon Gate. They held the titles for an, an entire year, and then Dragon Kid got hurt, so they never lost the belts officially. And this was this was it for Shima. Once he removed himself from the Twin Gate scene, he pieced out at the start of 2018, and we were all like, well, this is kind of odd. I mean, you know, normally Shima's around, but I, I guess he's just sailing the world doing Shima things, and boy, come May of 2018, that turned out to be true. Yeah, yeah. So, like, this is, like, an interesting touchstone card, and it's kind of fitting to have that touchstone card be five years ago when, you know, now we're 36 hours from Gate of Destiny 2021, and just, like, how different the promotion is, but in a lot of ways, how same the promotion is in all, <laughs> as well, because who was the champion at Gate of Destiny 2016, Case? It was Yamato. And who was the champion coming out of Gate of Destiny 2021? It was Yamato. Exactly, exactly. Uh, on tonight's show, we're going to be talking, of course, about Gate of Destiny 2021. By the time y'all are hearing this, most likely the uh, November Corkin will be underway. It is a rare Friday night Corkin for Dragon Gate, who traditionally does, you know, Thursday evening, but not like late. So it's, you know, just with schedules, we'll, we'll review it in full next week. But, uh, case i guess just like right off the top your overall takeaways i know your review was just posted at voices wrestling.com but like your big takeaway from or your big takeaways plural from gay destiny 2021 I, i'm sorry lek Klinpa presents gay to destiny 2021 i just did the uh when you, when you mentioned the sponsor's name i instinctually did the mochizuki mochi fist pump as i'm sitting at my desk here i think that is going to be our new thing with the Klinpa sponsorship it, this was an incredibly on-brand show for dragon gate in 2021 it wasn't spectacular i don't have any match of the year contenders coming out of this i i also don't necessarily think anything was that bad now there were things that i wish went better there were finishes that i didn't love but for most of this year it's just been a largely unspectacular promotion and and i'm hoping that in 2022 we see the payoff of some of this steady through line that we've seen throughout the year. The boat hasn't been rocked this year. We've seen uh, these patterns form, these units form, and things have been pretty calm, all things considered. If you remove the fact that they lost the biggest star in the promotion at the beginning of August, just an on-brand show. Again, a lot of stuff that I liked, some stuff that I wish was better, but nothing that I can come on here and really bang my fist about and complain about too much. Yeah, I, I not to completely echo your takes. Um, I wouldn't say this is a boring show, but it very much like when you said this is emblematic of 2021 Drag Gate. That's what it was. I mean, nothing on the undercard overstayed its welcome. Nothing was bad, but you know that the stuff that maybe we were really hoping was going to, you know, to kick the show into feeling like a big five show didn't necessarily happen and it, it it's weird for me because i walked away from the show like first i pulled up the uh, video i just did not have time wednesday to watch the show live or anything like that i was like oh three hours and 10 minutes that is very short for dragon gate big five show and then like afterwards as i watched it i was like this is a very satisfying show does it feel like a gated destiny to me i don't know i don't think so personally because for me gated destiny was like this big venue that like Edeon arena in a lot of ways for me personally has held some of the greatest dragon gate matches 
And you know, we walked away with this with some solid stuff and some excellent stuff, but not like match of the year stuff. Like, like we're not coming out of here like 2015 talking about Shingo versus Misaki Mochizuki being one of the best Dragon System matches of all time. We're not walking out of here talking about like the huge step forward Binkei versus Masato Yoshino was in 2018. We're not talking about the rematch from 2019. And we're not talking about like the return of Shin Skywalker in 2020. What we come out here like watching is like this is pretty like standard stuff. And it does feel like like response, at least internationally, kinds echoes like, yeah, no, this was the Dragon Gate big show. You know, nothing insane. There was one match that was exceptional. And then, you know, the rest of it, you know, was up to snuff, in my opinion. It's really interesting comparing this promotion year over year because maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Western Dragon Gate buzz was so much higher at this time last year. I'm looking at this Gate of Destiny card from 2020, and it felt like there was palpable buzz for the undercard match, you know, Kabune, Kakucha, and Kame versus Yoshino, Ultimo, and Kana. That was a really cool match. The first Akuda versus Ashita singles match on a big show, that happened at last year's Gate of Destiny. And then there was Eita versus KZ for the Dreamgate title, which led to Shun returning at the end of that match. And it felt like for the back half of 2020, there were eyeballs on Dragon Gate that hadn't been there since the OWE split in 2018 to reference that again, really eyeballs that left the promotion before they left in 2017 and they, they took a few years off in this year. Those eyeballs are not there. Whatever fans, whatever attention they seem to gain in 2020, they have fallen back off. Now I largely think that is general malaise to Japanese wrestling at this point in time, because once America opened back up the atmosphere and the clap crowds of Japanese wrestling it became such a a more glaring issue because now you can go and watch an AEW show where, you know, they're obviously lighting the world on fire. You've got your indies that are up and running and fans are making noise there. And it's, it's hard to go from that sometimes, even for me to go from a packed AAW show where fans are on their feet and clapping and cheering to a Kobe Sambo hall crowd, which is a little bit more dire. But the other thing about this year is that outside of a handful of Shun Skywalker matches and and obviously SB Kento versus Jackie Funky Kamei, which I do think that got more buzz than the typical Dragon Gate match. Yeah, I, I mean, Voices of Wrestling didn't have a, a, a group preview for this show. Now, part of that is because it fell on a Wednesday and for a preview, just with the way logistically Voices of Wrestling previews work, that's a, that's a tough day to get out of preview. We probably should have worked a week ahead on that, but... I, it's just it's weird there's there's not a lot of eyeballs in this promotion right now which is always frustrating to me because i feel like a lot of things that fans ask for from wrestling and obviously co-host of the dragon gate podcast a little bit biased but i feel like a lot of things that fans ask for in wrestling dragon gate delivers on fostering young talent great matches interesting storylines and a, a really unique genera- uh, generational war that's happening whether it's a, a in storyline thing or it's real life which i think it falls to the latter I think it's very interesting, all of the different age groups that are vying for the top spot in this promotion right now. I don't have any, I don't know of any other promotion in the world that's going through that. I think that's incredibly interesting, but it is not resonating with the American fan base as a whole. You know, I, I've thought about this, and I'm glad you kind of brought this up about like resonating and all of that. I think the big issue is that when you look at what Dragon Gate was doing in 2020, it kind of like stood alone amongst Japanese wrestling because they, they were doing it wasn't like a holding pattern stuff, whereas a lot of promotions were kind of holding pattern or like grabbing on to anything they could, you know, in a lot of ways. Dragon Gate was progressing in this 
this very like elevation this very like pronounced elevation of the class of 2020 or more specifically like sb kento and then talking about all the wrestlers in this company at the age of 30 like they took the time it's like all right we have to do Dragon Gate. We can't do holding pattern right now, especially with like the fact that our biggest star was supposed to retire this year, and we don't know when he's going to retire. So like we have to get everyone ready, and, and like that was such like a big like overriding thing. And I think that's like an overriding thing really up until August first, twenty twenty one. To be quite honest, was like all of this like preparation, all of this stuff. So it was exciting, and you had stuff like Ishida versus Okuda, which for like certain people like that match that style that that series was exactly their cup of tea so if they weren't seeing this with like long pronounced five match new japan shows they can jump in and dragon gate did a smart job putting that match like on youtube and all of that so it just doesn't necessarily like have those pools now whereas i'll say this like seeing wrestlers like that's like takumi hayakawa really make like the huge step forward looking at the large adult sons the ahashi brothers looking at jackie funky kamei continuing to kill it like at least for, for me and i feel like this might be a case for like longtime deep dragon gate fans there still is a lot of stuff to like really be uh, interested in i mean you have like this great tag team run now that we're seeing out of susumi koska and king shimizu we've had masquerade versus red all year like there's like great stuff here but I don't think it's necessarily something that when people were trying to seek out like something like specifically from Japan to grab onto because other promotions were having a tough time. Now those promotions, they might not be having a tough time now, but there's like pieces going, you know, things are kind of interesting there. They don't need that now. So I think it's in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of whittled back to like the hardcores in a way. And even then, I, I feel like there's a subsect of hardcore fans that are either waiting for crowns to come back, which fingers crossed, hopefully sooner rather than later, or they're just not interested in the product. I said my piece on high end last week. I really hit a breaking point with high end, uh, which was appreciated by some in, in, in my audio form. Just like, God, I this unit rubs me the wrong way. I really don't like their presence, which is the same thing I felt five years ago about Tribe Vanguard. And it's unfortunate that for all the changes this promotion has undertook in the past five years, and they've come out for the better, for the most part, Yamato was our champion at Gate of Destiny this year. He wrestled BB Hulk in a match that I, Mike and I have not said a word to each other about this show. I have no idea what he thinks about any of this. And if you're ready, Mike, I, I, I need to hear your thoughts on this Open the Dream Gate Championship match. All right, yeah, let's get into it. This was the main event of the show. Yamato High End making his second successful defense against BB Hulk of R.E.D. 1936, credited as a cross arm breaker, but it just was like a messy as hell finish. Like, there's no way to mince words there. Uh, Yamato had him in an arm triangle, looked like BB Hulk was going to do the whole like power up and power bomb someone out of it, but instead, Yamato. He like fell into the ropes and Yamato like quickly transitioned to what could be construed as a cross arm breaker. And then Mr. Nakagawa stepped in and called off the match, and that was the finish. But before like that, that I thought this was kind of the antidote to the traditional Yamato Dreamgate style. And I thought that was really smart considering we've talked a lot about the limitations of BB Hulk. We've talked a lot about Yamato's match style. If you put those two together in this match, you have a recipe for, I don't want to say mediocrity, but it would just, we all know how that would play out. It just would be like, we could see this happen. Instead, we had like BB Hulk on the attack. We had crowd brawling. We had the insane super EVO through the table. We had 
really like a lot of like Yamato being put on the defensive, Yamato having to sell a lot, and especially like the camera work of Yamato going through the table and Mr. Nakagawa is doing the count, BB Hulk is cackling in the ring, and you see Hyen kind of trying to slap Yamato like back into back with it, and then him getting in at 18. I thought like that was a, a great moment, and the fact this was under 20 minutes, and you know, it just is a shame that. The, the finish was so bizarre, for lack of better words. I mean, Jay and Hoho, bless their hearts, were trying to figure it out on air and rationalizing it. They did as good a job as one could hope in that in, in that scenario. But it just was something that, like, really was enjoying it. We were getting to a final stretch here. Hulk was looking as well as Hulk could, but they did a match that very much was going to play to Hulk's strengths as where he is in 2021, I would say. And, you know, it kind of cut out the stuff that would have made this like kind of a typical Malaysi Dreamgate match, especially the kind that like Yamato's going to want to do five to 10 minutes of holds before like really kicking it into second or third gear. That didn't happen here. And I thought that was the right move. But that finish, man, that finish sucked. That finish was a, it just was bizarre. It was abrupt. And in the same year that uh, within like the past year, this is the third bizarre big show Dreamgate finish. And it just is something that I mean, like that could be like, it, it, it snake bit Shun Skywalker, and you know now it's even affecting the ace of the company in Yamato, and you know it brings it down a peg for me. I it was something that like if there was if I believed in going with like eighth stars, I'd probably would make this a three and seven eighth stars match, but you know three and three quarters to be honest. The finish sucks not only because of the miscommunication between Yamato and Hulk and Nakagawa which in turn made Jay look bad on commentary because Jay was confused. Ho-Ho was still focused on the toilet wipes. He, he w- was, you know, in a different planet, but finish was obviously bad on that. And because it's like you said, the third Dreamgate match in the past 12 months, where unfortunately uh, the finish is what we're talking about. And we're not talking about how creative and clever the finish was. We're talking about what the hell happened. How did this go wrong? It, it overtook Ben K versus Shun. It was the entire match of Shun versus Kakuta. And now we're dealing with it here with Yamato versus Hulk. It also sucks because I loved this match prior to the last 15 seconds. I can't believe, I cannot believe how good this match was because that's exactly it. It wasn't a Yamato Dreamgate match, and for as talented as Yamato is on his best day, for as much as I have been into him, even this year, uh, again, spring of 2021, I was singing Yamato's praises through King of Gate. I was like, man, this guy has it figured out. Look at him go. I wouldn't hit another title run with him. He wrestled Garukin Mask and had a four-star match with Garukin Mask. I was into Yamato up until he got that belt around his waist in August. And it just, it, with a snap of a fingers, I was like, oh no, that's right. I don't like this. I don't like him in this position. And much like, as we've talked about, this mirrors the 2016 reign so much where I don't love the build to these matches. I'm kind of dreading them going in. And then much like the Tozawa match and the Doi match and the BB Hulk match, and then when he finally lost the belt to Mochizuki, I didn't like those builds. I wasn't into it going in. And then he had an objectively very good match. Now, you obviously have in that that 2016 reign, a Cyber Kong match, a, a cage match, and a very bad T-Hawk match, given that it was the main event of Kobe World 2017. And that really soured my feelings on Yamato at that point. 
But I love that this match with Hulk did not feel like any of those matches. I've never seen a Yamato Dreamgate match like this where he took so much punishment. Obviously, the big spot, the EVO off the middle rope to the floor through the table, which was just gnarly. I mean, that is as violent of a spot as you will ever see in a Dreamgate match. But then also just Hulk was on top of his game here. Hulk was busting out moves like the mouse that I don't think he's done in three or four years, if we're being quite honest. Like, I, I he was doing stuff that I did not think he had in him. This was much more of a BB Hulk match than a Yamato match. And as a result, I think it was a better match because of that. I am so delighted for as much as I was dreading it, or maybe not dreading, but just apprehensive going into this match. I did not think BB Hulk had this performance in him, and I'm glad that he did. I hope this is the last time he ever challenges for the Dreamgate belt. I don't need to see that again. But I thought from an individual standpoint, Hulk was incredibly impressive in this match. And it was catered to, like, I mean, we have have now countless audio of this, so I'm not going to hammer the point home any further than I have to. Given where Hulk is in 2021, the fact that, like, being very smart about, like, oh, for him to be able to do, like, the FTX and be able, like, to work that around there and then, like, just, you know, pulling off that Super EVO, given the fact that, he still had a rough neck break. And like the fact that he is someone that has had shoulder issues since the final gate match against Shingo Takagi. And you're just like, oh, okay, here. And then, you know, instead of countering that with like the usual grappling you see out of Yamato, he decided, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do a whole lot of go to hospitals and drop kicks here. <laughs> and it worked really well. It worked really, really well. And even like the fact that like Hulk pulled off a Galleria with it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, clearly, like, one of the big issues that with, like, Yamato as an ace is that Yamato never really had the generational rival because you always had BB Hulk attached to Shingo Takagi, Doi Yoshi, and Tozawa was kind of, like, his own thing. So, like, there was never really, like, a chance for him to have, like, his big six rival. So, like, the ability to make this into somewhat of a rivalry and try to, like, kind of do like this, like, they were doing their part at some level to make that happen. And it just, you know, at the end of the day, the last 15 seconds about this match just kind of, you know, takes it down. And it's not like the Hip Hop Kakuta versus Shun Skywalker match where you just throw your hands up. You're like, okay, that that's a freak accident, you know, like this. And it's not something like the Binkei thing where, again, freak accident. This was just, I don't know, it was miscommunication, getting too, you know, adventurous for yourself at this point, or just like, so, like someone slipping. For lack of, for, for like lack of any like, like explanation here, like it just came off as weird, and it came and it made like the conclusion of the show and the fact that we already have our next Dreamgate Challenger coming up feel very stilted, and it's just one of those things that's such a bummer that like this has been something that we've that this isn't like the first time we're talking about. This isn't like when we were talking about Benke getting concussed, and we're like, you know what? Like, hey, like in the moment, everything's happening, boom, boom, boom. Like, like you can go back, listen to the audio of that. Like, like instead, we're like, this was a weird kind of finish and a weird kind of decision. And that's like our last takeaway. That's like the last moment we have of Gated Destiny. I'm sorry, the Lek Klingpa presents the Gated Destiny 2021. The best thing I can say about this match, and I, and I mean this as a genuine compliment, is that they got as close to they could possibly get to me believing that 
that there was a percentile chance that BB Hulk could possibly win this match. I was never in fear that Yamato was losing, but they did a really good job of convincing me that in some far off foreign universe, BB Hulk could have won this match. I thought the work was that good. Had the finish been executed uh, any degree better, I would have gone four and a half on this. As it stands, took off a quarter star because of the finish. I went four and a quarter. Delightfully surprised by just how much I enjoyed this match because I really did not see any possibility heading into it that this would land on my spreadsheet, and and by the end of it, it did. Yeah, you know, for me, it just was something that, like, it would have landed on my spreadsheet if the finish was clean, but it wasn't, you know? like, But it's also something that I think that I did not read your review until, like, literally like 10 minutes before we recorded a case so like it wasn't just that you were uh left in the dark about my views i was left in the dark about yours as well and i think maybe i'm a the, we we have some differing perspectives on these like matches but i feel like we both kind of came off of the way like this is a match that really could have been like the solid foot forward and really exceeding expectations and sadly it just did not come off that way uh any more thoughts you have on the main event before we go through the rest of the show Let's talk about this Twin Gate match. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right. So the Twin Gate match, Amazon Prime Video, Dragon Gate presented by Lex, sponsored the Open the Twin Gate Championship match, Natural Vibes champion team of Susumi Yokosuka and King Shimizu versus from Pro Wrestling Noah, representing Congo, Kano, and Hao. And the finish was King Shimizu with the aided King Press in 14 minutes on the dot, hitting that time cue dead on, uh, petting Hao to credit uh natural vibes it's listed as their second successful defense but that's three right like that's their third successful defense right i believe well uh i uh you're asking the wrong guy because it was speed star final and then at uh dangerous gate so this would have been three yes you're right they they beat ben k and dragon kid for their first defense strong machine j and strong machine k for their second and then the noah tandem here for their third so you are you are correct mike spears you have the floor i want to hear your thoughts on this match before i give mine Let's talk about the family tree case for a second. Let's because, talk about it. Because as we've been saying, both Kano and Hao come from the family tree. They are a part of the Lutresa family tree, just a different branch. You know, Michinoku Pro one that when Dragon Gate, you know, is really from the WAR branch there. And boy, y- you know, we should have saw that this match was going to be this awesome right like we should have saw that like of course these guys would have natural chemistry here and then you have jay on commentary talking about kano being mad about being a kid at a toriumon show and getting shoved down by (laughs) susumu mochizuki and you know it just was really awesome i mean the person that i I think came away out of this match like yeah you know we've been singing the praises of king shimizu more than anyone else like just get over the fact that he does a dance like it's fine like if, if that's your issue then you have bigger issues with yourself there. But the big star of this match, in my opinion, was how like he came across like an absolute like 
dude here and i'm like all right can we somehow get like red and congo kind of like jointly affiliated because i want to see this guy like in a tag team of kaido ishida you know or whatever future heel unit there is because this is this rocked i mean like i thought that it was really great i thought it was very inventive i thought that you're you were starting to see like even more burgeoning chemistry the natural vibes champion team and you know came away totally uh satisfied and this is the match that i would say on this show completely hit our expectations that we were talking about last week and you know i went four and a quarter on this this absolutely owned Howell could work in this promotion tomorrow. He could leave Noah and would immediately find a home in some unit in this promotion, which uh, blew me away because I've always, you know, he's, he's a Noah junior. I've always liked him, but in this era, by the time he joined the promotion, that division is so, I don't know if watered down is the right word. They are put at a disadvantage with the way they are booked and oftentimes with the way they are presented. I had no idea that this is the level of work that he was capable of. And now that I've seen it, I want to see a lot more of it. Howo and Kano could jump ship tomorrow. And I think every party involved, Noah, Drangate, and those two as individuals would be better off for it. Because let's, I, 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 and I, I will say this as, as just a, a fan talking in the sense of, I feel like Noah feels like they have to book Kano strong, but I never I never get the impression that like they are personally fired up about Kano, but that's just my own thing. I, I think he's much better than oftentimes how he's how he's pushed, even if he is a champion. They were excellent here. And I knew that both of them, and Kano in particular, would work incredibly well with Susumi Yokosuka because Susumi Yokosuka is the Tim Duncan of pro wrestling. He is forever underrated. He is really, truly, I believe, one of the greatest of all time. And no one pimps him harder than I do. I, I had him in my top 25 when we submitted our greatest wrestler ever balance in April of this year. I legitimately think there are, are, are not many more than 25 wrestlers better than him historically. I knew they were going to kill it. Their styles matched up well. I had no doubts there. Shimizu's performance in this match, and I talk about this at length in my VoicesOfWrestling.com review. You can go read it there. I don't want to repeat my, my talking points too much, but Shimizu just blew my mind in this match because I, I said five years ago, I think at his peak, he is one of the 10 best wrestlers in the world. And then right around the time I said that he turned heel. And while his heel run was fun, his heel run was fine. His in ring definitely took a hit. And then he spent some months doing comedy characters, which I enjoyed. And I saw the greener pasture ahead. I said, he's doing this. He needs to be completely down cycled and, and, and almost forgotten about and then he can come back and make a big impact. I did not anticipate that impact to be in natural vibes, but I'm so glad he's in this unit. I'm so glad he's teaming with Susumu. He worked his ass off in this match, Mike. I mean, Shimizu was all over the ring, all up in Congo's business. I just, I loved him in this match. I, he, he needs to go to Noah tomorrow just because I need to see what he looks like in that environment, whether he's wrestling, you know, Masa Kitamiya or, uh, uh, you know, to whoever I'm drawing a blank on the rest of the Noah roster right now. Who's there? Katsuhiko Nakajima, Masato Tanaka. I'd like to see Shimizu wrestle them all because he really opened my eyes like, oh, that's right. When Shimizu's on like this in a big spot, there are not many guys I like watching more in wrestling. He was so damn good in this match. Yeah, his flying shoulder brock off the apron was just, like, insane. It's like, okay, like, this is something that we've always known that he was, like, 
a great power fighter that you know he's not gonna fly because he never should fly because he's bigger shimizu but then he does like the stuff like this i'm like all right all right shimizu you're just like the the you're having like the best time and, and like the thing that got me about this match like and, and this is really a compliment to all four of them was like there was a lot of thought put into like the interactions here like this did not truly feel like and this goes back to the whole Luteras, uh, uh family tree this did not feel like an invader tag match although we did have invaders here and there still was the edge but i'm talking about like the chemistry in the match like the ring work like it wasn't like that it was just like four guys who got it and were on the same page like the insane like when bigger i'm sorry when king shimizu usually German suplexes Susumi Akoska, who's usually German suplexing someone else over him, and that's like a big power spot there. But like the idea that the Congo team just like grabbing the ropes and stopping it, so then instead it was like a misfire. Like we haven't seen that before. I'm like, all right, there's a lot of thought and care put into this match. And it just like it was something that really came off like that. And like the combinations here and like the reversals here that like. Yes, this is a, again. This was an Invader tag team, and it, but it still was coming from like the same core concept that like you're able to have this and still have like a phenomenal match. And this was my match of the night. I know this was your match of the night as well. And it just like was just one of those things that when you come back and you like watch this, and you're like, you come away with an appreciation for all four guys because like Kano has always been someone that like when I would dip my toe into Noah, I'd be like, all right, Kano is great, like this, and then. Like, like we've talked at length about Susumi Akoska and King Shimizu and then how making that huge step forward and you just kind of step away going like, wow, that was something special and it makes you want to see more. And in, in the post-match, you have Kano still getting to Susumu's face. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Hopefully it's not on a region-locked Amazon video thing. Like put it in Cork and Hall. Put it in, uh, because he's from that area, put it at Gate uh, get of Origin. Like that would be an awesome special singles match. I can't believe coming away from this match, I thought Kano was the fourth best guy. I just did not anticipate that. But again, he Hao was so impressive to me. The the rolling cradle he did out of the Yokosuka cutter. I, I mean, I'm sure over the last 20 years someone else has done that, but I've never seen them do it the way he did it. And he got a lot of respect in this match. I, I'm 99% sure. Unfortunately, I don't have the exact name in my notes, but I'm pretty sure it was Hao who got hit with the pop-up Jumbo no Kanchi, which didn't fully connect, and then kicked down of the Yokosuka cutter, which is a, a, a legitimate yeah. finishing move. And he kicked out of that. He got a lot of respect. Going down the stretch, this is the... I, I was not able to watch the show live, but this is the one result that I didn't know ahead of time. And I wasn't sure who was going to win this match. I, I really... There was a part of me that thought the Noah team was just going to be able to survive and survive and survive and eventually overcome the Natural Vibes duo, which would have been very exciting. But this finish was so strong. This match was so good. I have absolutely no complaints. If you're listening to this and you have not seen this tag match, go out of your way to do so. Four and a half stars for me. My match of the night. And long live this Noah Drangate relationship. We're obviously going to get a follow up on this Cork and Hall show that will be uh, concluded by the time most of you listen to this. Drangates, you know, they're so weird. They're so specific in what they do that I personally don't see the Noah relationship lasting an incredibly long time. That's just not the way Drangate has ever done things. But right now, I love the relationship and I hope it continues. 
Absolutely. And because I didn't say it up up top, uh, this show will be up on the network until the 10th. So you'll have time. There's a lot of Dragon Gate stuff because they're going to go dark after Corican for several weeks. So you there, there, there's stuff to catch now before yeah before it goes away. Uh, the third title match on the show is the Open the Triangle Gate Championship match. This was the RED champion team of Eita, Kaido Ishida, and Hyo versus the high-end challenger team of Dragon Kid, Binke, and Kagatora. Hyo got the win with the Black Panther clutch after a box attack in 11 minutes and 9 seconds. This was the first successful defense for RED. Turns out all three champions retained. This was like the one that was like, oh, if we're going to go down the route that we think we're going to go down, I can see this being the title change here. Nope, RED wins. And to be quite honest, I'm happy RED won because I just don't feel this high. This high-end team did not feel cohesive, whereas this RED team, you know, like showing like chemistry coming together with this, that kind of i felt like that that was the high point of this match was the fact that red this champion team really seems to like be working very well together whereas the high-end team feels like three guys together yeah i i can only echo what i said last week i'm not into this high-end team at all i'm very glad they didn't win because i had a a moment of panic followed by a severe long moment of dread last week when you talked me into high-end winning this match I'm very glad that didn't, that didn't happen. I have no use for them. I thought the match was okay. You know, a lot of heat on Dragon Kid, which, fine, he sells well. I do think Ben K looked really good uh, down the stretch. A few of his moves really connected with me. I guess I want to get your thoughts big picture, and we can talk about this now because we didn't really talk about it after the Dreamgate match. Ben K versus Yamato is headlining Gate of Origin. I want a temperature check on that match, but before that, big picture, Ben K. We're two years removed from him beating Pac for the Dreamgate title. We're a year and a half removed from him changing his look on every single show and kind of worrying us on a personal level. He's now in high end. What are your thoughts on Ben K, just where he's at in his career? I mean, he is the most peculiar person on this roster, right? Like, he gets the big win. Pack's first fall that he drops in almost two years <laughs> and it feels like that there was like a real moment there that they were going to go really full court press with a guy and then you know i mean dragon gates primarily a talking promotion you know like everyone like especially for the international fans like you you're attracted by the lucharest like ring work or like the evolving style and you know like people who perform their perfection in professional wrestling and it just you know Benkei couldn't stack up there. And he was having great matches, but it just was not working in what counted with the native fan base. And then, you know, just kind of just it had like this wilderness wandering period. And it's like, oh, Benkei's getting a title match in Yamato's home region. They're they're doing that at Gated Origin. Okay. Well, uh, like it's hard for me to like muster a lot of enthusiasm about Benkei because how can you have enthusiasm about Benkei? Because he's like the most bizarre position in this promotion at this point because you like you look at him and you see like how carefully he was treated leading up to his Dreamgate match and then everything that happened after he lost the belt in a rookie doy and you're just like this is weird this is wild and weird and he's just kind of like the most bizarre person in this promotion so it's kind of hard for me to muster a lot of enthusiasm about his upcoming title match I largely think the Ben K has been downcycled or Ben K's in trouble, or even to some degree, and I, I've seen a little bit of these talking points of Ben K's a flop. 
I think those talking points are a little bit overrated. This is a guy who was a Triangle Gate champion at one point last year. He's a guy who, if he was in any other unit right now, would either be the leader of the unit or the number two. It just so happens that he's in a unit with Yamato, the undoubted ace of the promotion, and Dragon Kid, who is a perennial number two wherever he goes. He is the best deputy to have along uh, alongside you. I think Ben K is fine. He, he's not a deputy. He's the bailiff. <laughs> uh, apologies to Dragon Kid. Uh, I think Ben K is fine. I think he's in, in, a, in a very weird position. I would love to know if that is because uh, of the promotion maybe having heat with him or whatever, because again, he's a weird guy and I don't exactly know what goes on backstage with him and, and the booking committee. I would love to know if there was some distrust or some anger with Ben K because I feel like that would be the easiest explanation as to why he's been booked the way he has for the past year of like, Oh, well they're, they're not exactly happy with him. I also think he's in a very odd position where he's now so closely tied in with Kaisuke Akuda. And quite frankly, if this match happens and it's Dragon Kid and Binsuke, I think we look at this in a completely different lens because then they're continuing to build on this Binsuke Akuda team that seems like it's going to happen, seems like it's going to be a big thing, and then it doesn't exactly happen to fruition. And it's a, it's a little frustrating because at this point, they've teased it, we want it, and we haven't just seen those two rip through the Twin Gate division like we're hoping to see at some point. I think he's fine. I think all it takes is one spear and one Ben K bomb, and he's back to being a credible main event threat. In a way, he's now in the position that I talked about with Shimizu a year ago, where I think he's being purposefully de-emphasized, and it just takes one. It just takes one big match with him to have him turn it back on and have him be a credible challenger going forward. It's going to be very interesting with this Gate of Origin build because they have the Cork and Hall show, which I, I expect him to do big things on that show. I kind of expect him to just run through and destroy Yamato. And then they have a Kobe Sambo Hall show two weeks after that. And then it's Gate of Origin. So unlike the BB Hulk versus Yamato match where Hulk was on TV constantly with Yamato and we got to see him beat Yamato in all of these various ways, with Ben K, it's going to be quick, and I, I actually think that works to his advantage to not see over and over and over again him spearing Yamato, him powerbombing Yamato, him beating Yamato. It's got to be quick, and it's got to be impactful, and I think that plays into Ben K's strengths. I think uh, I'll just take your second point first. Uh, the, the the fact that there's only two televised shows between now and Gate of Origin also hides the fact that like Yamato... It's like promo style with Benke, who is not the best talker. It's probably good to have only two shows, <laughs> you know, like it's not <laughs> like you could have like Hulk deciding just to be like a lunatic and cackling all the time. Like, like you don't have that there. Uh, but like going back to like, like his positioning and like the idea of him as like, uh, is there heat? Is there not heat? Uh, like you, I don't know. The one thing I question that I would add on is he is someone who has had significant concussion history. And, concussion history like to the point that i mean like he was off when he was fuda nakamura he suffered a pretty severe concussion and he was off for a bit and then the the, the one that happened at final gate 2020 so maybe it's something there that's like all right if we keep him like these matches you know that then you know it's probably better for him health wise maybe and that's just me guessing like i again no information about this whatsoever but that's just me like just trying to make sense of it in a way but it's just one of those things with him that like you know, like, is it something where he could just, like, headbutt and powerbomb someone and he, and he could be back? Yeah, he probably could, 
but also at a time it's like what like like we've seen him do that before we saw him do that last year against shun skywalker so like i don't it's something where you know he's someone that like it's probably the worst thing to happen to him other than the fact he's now getting a dreamgate shot is the fact that keisuke akuda has the moving injury from his knee to his elbow because it does seem like that him in a triangle gate with him and dragon kid and bensuke and then or him as the Bensuke team. Like we all we really want is the two of them to kick ass and to do like the bro like uh handshake, you know, where they both grab each other's fists, like grab each other's hands like the end of like Rocky too, right? Yeah, it's it's who we are, it's who Mike Spears and I are, it's who Ben K and Kaisuke Akuda are. I will say it, this. It, 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 it's it's <laughs> it's like we are Ulti and the Sponge mascot. Like, like that's who oh, we, that, my that's, God, that's those what we pictures. want here. Oh, those pictures. There was so much good content with the mascots this week at gate of destiny obviously if you follow me on my instagram you know i just recently met the cat in the hat which was the highlight of my year i don't know why there was a man in the cat in the hat costume hanging outside of my work one day but i went outside posted up with the cat in the hat i've never looked happier in a picture you go on president keto's instagram he's got plenty of ulti and sponge content Anthony W. Morey took a very respectful, socially distanced picture with the sponge on his Twitter, and quite frankly, he won the internet. Dare I say, Mike Spears, Anthony W. Morey won the internet on November 3rd, 2021. <laughs> All right, I'm pulling this up right now because of, you know, just with my week, I haven't been as much on Twitter, I think, for reasons that everyone kind of knows at this point. Uh, let me see. All right, that's amazing that fantastic. is fantastic that is perfect and the fact that i think that's rio saito in the background too <laughs> like that is just perfect like the, nothing better than this this is getting a retweet right now jay uh, got and- it on the action i you just you love to see it i there's nothing i love more than jay doing the this guy pose with the with the lex sponge i i, I can't get <laughs> enough of it <laughs> I, I i mean when we get the hashtag mike sponge guy talk battle i mean we're uh, you're coming along, okay? <laughs> like, For, Fortune Dream Seven. Fortune it's Dream Mike Seven. Mike versus yeah. Sponge in a talk battle. Right. I have so many questions for both both the president of the Lek Corporation, you know, Klimpa, uh, the Lek Corporation sponsoring the Gate of Destiny, but also, you know, I, we got to get on the post. Yeah. No. Great. Great work, Jay. Great work. Like God. Like if, when you see the Sponge thing, and we'll get more. There'll be more Sponge Mon. I know the Sponge mascot has a technical name. I'm not going to remember it. Don't at me. That's fine. But... <laughs> please, please, do, you, Mike Spears, you do not want that smoke. Do not come after Mike Spears for misnaming the sponge, okay? I, I, uh, I, he's, I, he's been off Twitter all week. He's been rearing up, ready to fire on somebody. Don't come at him with that. Hey, listen, Pudge is about to get neutered, and he is just a wild man, man. Like, come on. <laughs> what? What? That took a left turn. That was like talking to Teddy Hart. That was a hard left. Um <sighs> I will say this, and I apologize for comparing you to Teddy Hart. Of course, it is your only similarity. I will say this for Ben K. I think the Yamato match is going to be hot. I think the build, I think they're going to do something big at Corkin. I think it's going to sustain through Sambo Hall. And I think we're going to go into that Ben K. Yamato match excited about it, which is tough for me to say because on paper, I absolutely hate the booking. I have no idea why these two are wrestling. It doesn't make any sense to me why we're three months into Yamato's Dreamgate run and Ben K has somehow been a constant presence in his life. I would not have expected that leaving August 1st in Speedstar final. 
hey, Ben Cake could be a constant presence in our life. I mean, like he throws he, he would throw pizza parties at the Dragon Gate Dojo. You know, man. Like, like no, he's I'm okay. great. I have no. I, I just. I why he's he's teaming <laughs> with Yamato. Why? Wh- what in the Magnum Tokyo bullshit is this? Where all of a sudden it's this inner unit fighting? It just doesn't make sense. I I I'm so confused. And even it's not like Ben K challenged him in the ring. It was a backstage right. promo where Yamato was like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm wrestling Ben K at Gate of Origin." We we're like, "Oh, I guess you're wrestling Ben K at Gate of Origin." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just sure. Why not? That's what we're doing. Let's go with it. Uh, any other like big thoughts about the match? Like we had another errant powder attack by Hyo. Uh, Dragon Kid got some distance being thrown in the air. Uh, Dragon Kid was the glue in this match, and you know I I liked I actually kind of really like this Red Triangle Championship team. Like, and I know it's going to lead to something, and I just kind of dig like the idea of like Hyo. Like there was like the moment where I forgot who it was. I think it was Kagatora who was sent outside, and Kaido Ishida was on the apron, and Hyo pointed to him, and Kaido Ishida ran and did the apron kick. I was like, hell yeah, this is the kind of stuff I dig with this. But like the rest of the match, I mean, it was kind of there. Yeah, that's exactly it. It was just kind of there. I, I'm with you. I love this R.E.D. trio. I, I, I'm i obviously very excited at the prospect of R.E.D. ending just because I want to see what that looks like and who goes where. But for now, I really like this R.E.D. trio and I'm enjoying their Triangle Gate run. So R.E.D. versus Mad Blanky. Just going to put up here for lengthwise. Mad Blanky... Uh, went three years five months red now is at three years one month or two months no one month no i was right the first time so they're closing in <laughs> on the longest and, and, Dragon and that's coming Gate heal unit and that's coming off of you know berserk and antios which although they were different names same color scheme it's just to me that's the same unit. I I lump them all in together. So again, I I look at this as a unit that's now existed for six years. Yeah, because the heel lineage ended with Matt Blinky being disbanded. You know, yes. so like and, it was and, like and a new. Like, thing. like I mentioned on the show a few weeks ago, you know, I started covering Dragon Gate for Voices of Wrestling July of 2015, and Berserk formed in August of 2015. I've covered this promotion for six years, and I have largely dealt with the same heel unit the entire time, which is not a complaint because, you know, Peak Verzerk is the best thing this promotion's ever done. Antios is the worst thing this promotion's ever done. And RED, for the most part, has been pretty fun, but it's amazing to think when you lump those three lineages together just how long this red, black, and yellow unit has been in place. And I mean, you still had red, black, and yellow of Mad Blakey, too. So, I mean, like, we just need some colors out there. Like, we haven't had a green unit in a while. Like, l- l- like I don't think they'll do a heel unit green, but, like, we need some new colors on the heel side with whatever comes next. Like, l- I, like, I legitimately want that just because, again, it's, I mean, Matt Blakey, I guess the primary there was was yellow, and I don't need to dissect color palettes with you or an hour into the show. It's a, that, that, That's a first 15 minutes conversation if there ever was one. Um, <laughs> the, the, that's first 15 minutes or last 15 minutes on a two-hour plus show. <laughs> but I, I am looking forward to a full undeniable rebranding of a heel unit when it happens which i think by this time next year we'll have accomplished that but the I, i'm enjoying the journey so far i'm not in a rush to get to that destination yeah that's entirely fair uh moving to the undercard we had red versus masquerade shin skywalker kota menorah dragon daya and la Estrella versus kai sb kento diamante and daya inferno there was a 
low blow, and then a referee attack by Diet Inferno, leading up to the Reptilian Rana. So Dragon Diet is credited with the win, and you know, just building up the uh, match on Friday, which some people are convinced that it might be the final confrontation. Other people on the broadcast are not. I'm not convinced as well here. Uh, but, you know, this was on the lower end, I would say, of RED versus Masquerade matches. But, I mean, this was ser- serving a purpose, so I was okay with it. So I'm going to disagree with you there. If this match would have had a clean finish, I would have gone four stars on it. I Really? Okay. Oh, I loved this. I... It, it it represented again, and I thought Jay did a great job of pointing this out on commentary of just how the RED versus Masquerade stuff has really carried this promotion this year. And I was prepared to say, okay, they finally had their match on a big show that I could point to and go like, yes, this is what I, I've been enjoying this entire year. Because I like the the differences between these two teams. Obviously, Masquerade, any combination of these guys, it's flawless execution. It's working as a team. It feels the way that I think, whether it's in Drangate or in any other promotion, I think this is the way stable should feel in wrestling is the way Masquerade has worked over the past year. This was like the R.E.D. Anarchy crew. These were guys that are just there to fuck shit up. There's not a ton of technique to what they're doing. There's just a lot of violence to what they bring to the table. And I thought that meshed in a way that was really, really exciting because I think everybody in this match, Kai included, Kai included, I thought they all pulled their weight. I thought they all did their part. I thought they all had moments where they could shine. That Shun Skywalker Cape Rana to the floor. Holy shit. I, I'm so annoyed at the the gif, the lack of gifs in just all of wrestling right now. I, I understand you don't want to lose your Twitter account. Mm-hmm. I get it. I'm going to need somebody to gif that for me. I was very disappointed when I was putting together my review at voiceofwrestling.com and I couldn't find a gif. I, 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 Mike, I know this is a, a passionate topic for you. I don't want to get off on this tangent, but my understanding has been Gaiora is cool with gifs. Did something change and I missed that memo? Uh, I believe Ga- Gaora is still cool with gifts. I mean, it's something that Gaora. There's other things that Gaora is very uh, DMCA heavy about, but I've never heard it about gifts. And what ah. the, the I, it's just I think people reacting to TV Asahi. I would say, and that's why they're pulling it back. But as long as you're not putting up matches or like theme music, Gaora seems to be okay with it. I, I I'm not convinced that Gaora it really like keeps track of Twitter. To be quite honest. I am unaware of anybody that has lost their account because of Dragon Gate gifts. I know just from my Twitter timeline, which granted small sample size, but still it's the evidence that I have. Native fans in Japan are really taken aback when somebody screen records something from the Dragon Gate network. If you post an actual video instead of a GIF, I have seen people get up in arms about that. That just seems like a cultural difference and a big no-no there. I've never... On the Drangate side of things, I've never seen anybody complain about gifts. If we're wrong, at Open Voice, get on Twitter, let us know. But I like Drangate gifts, and I'm annoyed that I'm not seeing them anymore because Shun Skywalker in his career has done a lot of dumb dives, and he has done a lot of big dives. And if I was ranking Shun Skywalker's dives, and this is where we need Rob Naylor and Rob Viper to come on the podcast and help us put together that comprehensive list— this is, a, this is like a top three Shun Skywalker dive. The height he got on this moonsault was unbelievable. 
I mean, and I think the thing that's also powerful about it was as champion, Shun was not doing those dives. He was just being a steamroller, you know? I mean, like his big, like crazy athletic thing was his monkey flipping people all the way across the ring. So like seeing this Cabrado was awesome and it was incredible. Like the only thing that I can compare it to is that Dangerous Gate one where it looked like he was just about to crash and burn, but then he regained his balance and hit it picture perfect. Like that's the only one I can compare it to. Yeah, a, a really, really nice outing from him. Estrella, I have no concerns over at this point. I'm always intrigued when Estrella gets in the ring with somebody that isn't on the RED side of things. If he's wrestling Natural Vibes or High End or some unaffiliated guys, I pay attention a lot of Estrella a little bit closer there. But when it comes to wrestling anybody in RED at this point, I trust that unless he's having a very bad night, he is going to be able to do his job and he's going to be able to do it well. SB Kento looked tremendous. Diamante looked tremendous. Die Inferno, I thought looked very good. And then, you know, we have the the low blow and referee attack finish between Inferno and Dragon Daya, and it bummed me out just because I liked this match so much up to that point. Yeah, you know, I mean, like when I say like this was on the lower end, I still went three and a half stars on it. Like like the yeah. still was it the still was a great match. It just was one of those things that like for me, I was like, all right, like just like the combination and stuff like this. And other than Shun Skywalker doing the Quebrada and Kai DDTing Estrella, which really cracked me up. That DDT at the start of the match really cracked me up there. It just was something I was like, all right, this is all various all stuff, but it doesn't have the newness that it does. And that's on me. That's my own personal failing. That's not on the eight gentlemen in this match. The one last note I wanted to mar- remark was that Ho-Ho Loon was surprised that Die Inferno was a human and was surprised that there is a mass man code. <laughs> We'll get to ho-ho in a second. Oh, we will. We will. Uh, Moving down, we had the interesting rookies match on the show. This was Ultimo Dragon with the Hayashi brothers, Riki and Ishinahashi versus Misaki Mochizuki, Yazushi Kanda. So two longtime partners. I mean, dating back to 98. Teaming with the newest debutee, Takumi Hayakawa. And it was Mochizuki getting the win on Riki Ahashi. So Takumi Hayakawa... First one to, of the class of 2021 to uh, score a win, even though it was not his direct fall. I don't feel like I owe Hayakawa an apology because I, I, I was pretty tough on him last week, but I feel like my concerns are still very valid. I will say that his performance here from Fukuoka during his debut night and day, this was Hayakawa using his size or rather lack thereof to his advantage I thought he was tremendous in this match, which is crazy to think that he, you know, he's in this match. He's primarily wrestling against guys who are also rookies because I don't feel like he got a ton of time in the ring with Ultimo. Ultimo <laughs> did not do a ton of this match. He kind of had the Togi Makabe schedule where he tagged in and Joe Gagne has this up on his Twitter. He tags in, Yasushi Kanda comes in the ring, Kanda goes to lock up with him and Ultimo gives him the talk to the hand because he has to back up and have the cloud crap, crowd clap even more for him, which uh, just a chef's kiss. That's why we love Ultimo Dragon. He was so in his element of this match. But to have Hayakawa in there primarily against two other rookies in the Yahashi brothers, and for him to look as good as he did, major thumbs up for me. I really liked Hayakawa in this match. Yeah, uh, my big takeaway was the great chemistry that him and Riki had. Like, yeah. the, like in their segment, like that was something special. Like, yes, I'm more of an Asian guy, but that's just like personal taste. But like, I I enjoy big boys, so like this. But I totally see the points you've made about Riki Ohashi having potentially the top of the 
car projection more so than his brother, I guess. But, you know, it's something that was really nice to see, like, the, the guys go. And, you know, uh, the, the thing that took me away about, about Hayakawa was I'm not saying that he is as fast as Masato Yoshino was in the ring, because that's impossible. But if we're going to be counting the uh, diagonal uh, run for wrestlers, like, why don't we do that? Like, we count 40s, you know, the 60-yard dashes, you know, like the, the cone drill. We should be doing, like, the uh, the cross ring attack. Like, like, we should be clocking how fast they do their case. But the, there's honestly, there's there's tremendous, and, and I will give this idea to them for free. There's a lot of Dragon Gate network ideas I have where I would like to be paid for them because I could turn that network around in a heartbeat. I will give this uh, uh, to them for free. Drangate wrestlers doing NFL combine like drills give that to me all day. There's actually nothing I want to see more in wrestling than some Drangate wrestlers running 40 yard dashes and doing high jumps and doing whatever else they do with a combine. I need to see that action. Okay, so just quite tangent. Shun Skywalker is going to be the person that has the high the box jump, right? Like Shun Skywalker is going to destroy everyone on that. Is it him or Daya? He's, he's yeah. I mean Skywalker is a freak athlete and. I feel like if he worked anywhere else in the world, that would kind of be talked about more, but he just, he's in the freak athlete promotion. So I, I don't know if he gets the credit he deserves, but he's a big guy that is really fast and, you know, can jump out of a gym. I, he, yeah, that would be, I, I want to see this so bad now. This is fascinating to me. I mean, they've been doing open the beautiful goal, like occasionally where they go up to Sapporo. I want to see like like let's see some three on three. You know, I I feel like that he he has some jumps here. I want to see his his dunk competition. I need to see Don Fuji play basketball. That's something I have not thought of until just now. But I I do need to see that. <laughs> I, I I mean, do you think he would be like Daryl Dawkins? You know, no, he's like Bill Lambeer. Okay, because okay, Hayaka- I like Hayaka- this. <laughs> is gonna come to the paint. It's like, oh great, I have a layup, and Don Fucci's going to chop him in the throat in the middle of a basketball game. It's yeah, no, no, going no. to be so painful. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, he is the Bill Lambeer, but I just want to imagine Don Fucci, you know, breaking backboards. So I like I, Mo- Mochizuki. Mochizuki's got a great bounce pass. He's the king of fundamentals. He wears the headband. He's just <laughs> high he socks. Just, yeah, high socks. Mochizuki is there to play the fundamentals. He's giving you a nice pass. He's shooting the ball off the glass. He's not really into the current NBA. Mochizuki doesn't understand why you would shoot a three-pointer when you can take a nice, comfortable two. I, it's, you know, uh, wh- why do we have to have all these fancy innovations in our basketball? I mean, I'll tell you this, though. He probably has like a 93% free throw percentage. Oh, from you the know. line. He's he's like Steve Nash. Rick he can't Barry, miss. Rick Barry style. Rick Barry style. <laughs> he, he's going to do it that way. Now that we fulfilled the Rich Crate quotient of the show, uh, this rock. And by the way, I just want, I, uh, real quick, one more. I'm so, I hate, I hate to oh, backtrack. No. Jason Lee is going to cross some dudes up. I guarantee you Jason Lee has handles, all right? If you oh, follow yeah. that man on Instagram, you know he was pumped about the start of the NBA season. I believe, and I could be wrong, I believe he's a Golden State Warriors fan. Jason Lee is breaking ankles on the court. Why is this not on the Drangate Network? Drangate 3 versus 3 tournament. Book it now. We're going to do the Combine. We're going to be doing the 3 versus 3 tournament. We're going to grab all the old tapes of the baseball games they would do with the 06 Bulls. Like, we're going to put those yes, up there please. as well. I mean, basically what I want to do is apply rock and jock and all of its fashions to Dragon Gate on the network. I mean, I, I want to see Jason Lee pull up at, and, and hit the 50-point shot. I think he could. I, I say this not joking. 
I literally can't believe they haven't hired us to curate the Drangate network. It pains me every single day. And that's forgetting Rock and Jock Drangate, which is something we'd absolutely be bringing to Keto on day one. Just for a number of reasons, I can't believe we're not running the network. General Manager Rio Saito, just give us a call. The DMs are open. You know, well, let's talk. Let's let's talk. About, our rates are, are are reasonable and negotiable. I love this match. I I really am so bullish on the Yahashi brothers. I think Ricky is just a future star in the making. I think, and I, I think it was. I think Jay said, you know, Ricky versus Ishin could headline this show in 2027. I I have no argument against that. I. I am so high on Ricky Ihashi in a different way than SB Kento. I still think SB Kento is the, the absolute future of this promotion, but Ricky has a Dreamgate run lined up barring injury. Yeah. And, you know, I think Ishin playing the heel in that role, you know, little brother angry at big brother becoming champion. You know what I mean? Like it's classic stuff, you know? I mean, Fritz von Eric wish he could book something like that, to be quite honest, but <laughs> Absolutely. yeah. I, and, and, and like we had the fact that like their theme music now, not only is it their dad doing like the symbol call, it is also now their mom singing along with it. They're just large adult sons. Just get behind them, everyone. Like every, the, the, their parents support them in every way. Like how can't you like these guys? It's a tremendous act. I mean, I I really really like it. And you made the point after their debut at Dangerous Gate where. You know, if this was DDT, and I don't mean this is a knock to the promotion, but you were exactly right. If this was DDT, they'd be main eventing shows already, and it would be exciting, but it's just, it, it wouldn't be the same. I love this build that they're doing with, you know, they have not won a match yet, and I think that's fascinating. I think the fact that Hayakawa was on the winning side of this is mind-blowing to me, because I just assumed Ultimo was pinning Konda, and we were going to be done with it. For Hayakawa to be on the winning side... I don't read into that in any way other than it's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ultimo, I mean, you know, he's just back from Mexico. He wants to come back, you know, and just take it easy and, you know, finish the matchup for the Law of Maestro Cradle on Kanda. Like, that was the ex- expectation. Instead, you know, Mochizuki coming out of his GHC national title, you know, puts one of the kids in the grave, just as it ever was. Just as it ever was. Before this was the Klimpa Battle Royal, the winner getting an unspecified amount of Klimpa toilet cleaner, which, as Jay said on commentary, apparently really good. Apparently really good, really good uh, toilet cleaner. Case, would you be open for us being sponsored by the Luck Corporations? I've been being around the bush for this for weeks. I, I feel like we should be getting sponsored by the Luck Corporation. I am open to sponsors of anything as long as it's not alcohol related, just because I do throw up those X's. I am true till death. But yeah, and no, it, let me be very clear. And we've said this in the past open the voice gate can be bought, and we have no issue with that. I am willing to do sponsorships for anything. Mike, we got some very exciting sponsorship news earlier today that when those ads roll back out, I know, uh, I, I know there are some people that are going to be very, very excited for what is to come. Yeah, of course. I would love to be sponsored by the Lek Corporation. I would love for them to sponsor my life. Sponge guy, I know you're listening. We have our talk battle, and afterwards we're we're gonna do some business. I'm a businessman. Sponge, in this sponge guy, I'm I, I'm over free will. Why don't you just book what I do on a day to day basis? I don't want to make decisions for myself anymore. You seem to have ideas. Why don't you just tell me what to do? I mean, it's probably gonna involve you watching a lot of Sayama matches. So, I mean, how oh, different no. is that? Oh no! Yeah, that's right. It's the same fucking life I live now. <laughs> <laughs> but the Kalimpa Battle Royal: Super Shisa, Konamawa Chikawa, Sachioko Boy, Problem Dragon, Punch Samanaga, Yosuke San Maria, Strong Machine J, Jason Lee, and Ho Loon were the participants. 
the final two were Jason Lee and Yosuke Samaria. Jason Lee wins an unspecified amount of clean pot toilet cleaner with the maximum driver in seven minutes and eight seconds. And what a seven minutes and eight seconds this was. Thrilling. I mean, the right guy won more, more power to Jason Lee, adding this to his already lengthy list of accolades in his Dragon Gate career. This, of course, the biggest moment for him in the history of his professional wrestling career, not bringing Dragon Gate to Hong Kong, not winning titles, not getting a move from Masato Yoshino, winning the toilet cleaner. Uh, man, that, that has got to be as good as it gets for Jason Lee. I, I mean, Sponge, the Sponge mascot was in the background nodding approvingly the entire time. I mean, the... <laughs> it was so creepy. It was really, if you look at this out of context, it was this absolutely horrifying <laughs> to see, you know, Problem Dragon and Yosuke Santa Maria trading chops in the middle of the ring or whatever. And off in the distant background, not focused on camera, is a cartoon or a mascot sponge just waving to the crowd with a handler. Also, I love that the sponge has a handler too. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so, I don't know if dystopian is the way I would describe it. It's just fucking weird to look at. It's weird, but it's very pleasant and charming at the same time. <laughs> I, I love it. I, obviously the highlight of this match, my, my favorite thing in wrestling is, how long does it take Ho-Ho Lu to get from the ring to, to the English commentary table? He made it before the finish of this match. And as soon as he sat down, it was like, well, if Jason Lee wins, like, we'll we'll share it. Like, it's, you know, we're friends. We he'll If he wins, then they're basically mine, was, I think, what he was trying to get to. <laughs> Perfect. Just amazing. <laughs> I, 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 and this is the one promotion where I trust this happens. He might win a future Klimpa Battle Royal. And you know what? When that happens, I fully expect everyone to basically just explode. It's going to be bigger than, you know, Tetsuya Naito, you know, winning the double titles. It's going to be bigger than, you know, uh, Brian Danielson making his debut at All Out. It's going to be the biggest moment in recent wrestling history. Bigger than CM Punk's return to wrestling. It's going to be Ho-Ho Loon finally winning a clean pub battle royal and winning an unspecified amount of toilet cleaner. If Ho-Ho wins a Battle Royal, I will purchase a Ho-Ho Loon t-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com, which might sound mean-spirited that I don't... It's not like a mean bet. It's not like, ugh, I have to do this. I want to celebrate, okay? If Ho-Ho Loon wins this Battle Royal, I will buy one of his t-shirts, and I will proudly wear it throughout the streets of Chicago, Illinois, USA, because I need to let the people know that this man is going to have a clean toilet for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, I'll add on to this case. You've seen photos in my office where I have... Of just assorted wrestling memorabilia here as I'm looking at a Monster Express t-shirt signed by Ricochet and Akira Tozawa, Crazy Max t-shirt signed by Shima, and stuff like this. I'll get one as well. And you know what's going to be proudly on my wall in my office? A Ho-Ho Loon t-shirt. Because you time I look at this, I'm like, hey, the absolute boy did it. He got his toilet cleaner. It, I mean, look, I, it would make me so much happier than like, when Naito won the two belts. And I know, I mean, I, I've had too much Tetsuya Naito talk today. Anybody in the Voices of Wrestling Discord has been able to see what's been going on there. Just, God, his his entire, if Naito's entire fan base could just take a deep breath, I think the world would be a better place for it. But I, w I will be jumping for joy. I'll be throwing streamers in my apartment if Ho-Ho can win one of these battle royals. There's truly, like, this would make me happier than seeing Tozawa win the Dream Gate at some point in his career. I need Ho-Ho to win one of these battle royals. Now, let's don't say things we can't take back. 
other moments of this battle royal, since there was an odd number of people, everyone faced off, but Sakura Chikawa, and he was very indignant and mad about that. That was really funny. And then, you know, he, we had uh, Sakura Chikawa stuff happen. I mean, he's the best comedy wrestler of all time. So, of course, he did. Uh, Super Shisa did a Yoshi tonic. And, you know, that was something where it's like, man, I want to see you do some holds here. I know you and Amazing Red at the same time uh, developed this move independently of each other. But, man, I don't want to see you do that. I want to see you like Tyson and not now. But, you know, perfect battle royal. Finishing stretch with uh, Jason Lee and Maria was very good. This is uh, the second time in the past month where Maria has had some extended period of time in the ring. And I've gone, oh, that's right. I, I like Maria. When when she's not kissing people, she's a really, really good wrestler. Yeah, no, it, it's something that like sometimes like one of the best like baby face underdogs in wrestling is Yosuke San Maria. And it's great to be reminded of that. All right, the opener we had was Natural Vibes versus Unaffiliated Veterans. It was KZ, UT, Ginky Horikuchi, and Jackie Funky Kame versus Don Fuji, Gamma, and the new generation Doyoshi, Nuruki Doi, and Takashi Yoshida. Takashi Yoshida got the win after a sequence of moves that was a Doi Fives into a Bakatari sliding kick into the Pineapple Bomber on UT in 7 minutes and 59 seconds. Okay, I, I'm going to give you a half-baked take here. This is one of those deals, and I, and I don't do this often. This could be one of those deals where I'm just wrong. I'm just completely wrong, and we will have to delete these tapes from the archives. I am fascinated by the lower rung of natural vibes with Horiguchi and UT and Kamei. Because Horiguchi, as we know, is kind of the everyman. He was the point person for uh, for um, American wrestlers when they were over in Japan. So for a long time, it was recognized that Genki Horiguchi was the booker because that's who was giving them their finishes. So, it, you know, for American wrestlers, he was the booker. Yeah, he had the best uh, we, English. We, we, we know that he's incredibly involved behind the scenes. We know that he's kind of the heart and soul of this promotion. We know that UT has been a fan of this promotion since he was a child. He is he is someone who is obviously incredible in the ring, very charismatic. I by all accounts that I understand, he's a very good promo. And Kamei is someone who fits the boyish model of Dragon Gate. Uh, again, my understanding is very good promo, very friendly. Seems like someone that if Dragon Gate had to send somebody out to do a PR appearance, I I would have Kamei high up on my list of uh, of somebody that I would want representing my promotion. I. Just get the feeling that 15, 20 years from now, we're going to be talking about UT and Kamei in the same way we talk about Genki Horiguchi and Ryo Saito, where these are going to be the guys that are are quite literally running the promotion. Yeah, and, and that was the point that I kind of developed off air. I forget if I said this during the SBK versus JFK match, that it's very pointed, the idea that Kamei is in a unit with Genki Horiguchi and KZ, you know, because he's because he's going to be in that vein, right? You know, like, he's going to be the underdog everyman. I mean, right now he has the boyish good looks and it's something that people gravitate towards and they're going to develop. And we saw this at Kobe Sambo Hall, a deep affection to him. And UT, I mean, he's someone that, I mean, the the, the fact that, I don't know if you caught this, this, is one of the few things I caught on Twitter. Uh, Dragon Diet had a birthday and he posted a photo of uh, of Dragon Kid and UT as a rib about this. Like, the, the photo of UT as a kid. I mean, meeting his Nagoya, uh, a native uh, fan of uh, hero, and like that—that's like thing. Like, like I mean, this guy like breathes Dragon Gate. 
So yeah, no, absolutely. Like these are like two guys that I fully expect that like they're going to be the backbone in a lot of ways, both inside the ring and out. And I'm just imagining like sending Kamei right now out there because he because he's a giggler. You could tell like like Funk like Jackie Funk Kamei is a giggler, right? Like he's going to be like doing stuff, but then someone's going to like say something and he's going to crack up and you know break character. Hold on, back up. What were you saying about Dragon Daya? So Dragon Daya had a birthday this week. Yeah, and. He posted a photo of UT and a two shot with Dragon Kid when UT was a kid. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, like, this is how much I love this. And everyone was like, all right, you're pulling a rip. That's UT here. Come on. But it was with Dragon Kid? Yeah, it was UT and Dragon Kid in a photo. Oh, I completely missed this because Dragon Daya posted a picture of him and Ultimo from the Toru Washi 10th anniversary show. And I thought that's what you were referencing at first. Uh, and uh i guess he did both i missed that other one yeah because i because i looked up because i guess awashi and dragon daya are from the same part of japan which i didn't realize but i was i i had to go back in time and i was looking at okay what show would this have been and it was the october 31st 2010 toru awashi 10th anniversary show which had and this is what i wanted to get to i wanted to break down this card with you kenny omega and koto ibushi versus daisuke sasaki and Minoru Tanaka was match number two. And then the main event was Harashima, Awashi, and Ultimo versus Takuya Sugawara, Taru, and Jinichiro Tenru. This is a show I need to track down. Are we talking about the same photo? Because that's not Ultimo in that photo that I'm saying. It's Well, I'm looking at a photo right now that's time mark 1031, 2010. Okay. Uh, the, I, I, I biffed it. That's on me. All right. I thought this was a giant rip on UT. I apologize. That's okay. I, we got to the bottom of it. You're a better man for it. Thank you for clarifying this. I mean, I'm becoming less and less a man of the internet, so I appreciate that. That's okay. It's, I, 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 I pop for a, a photo of, of Dragon Daya with Ultimo. I had no idea that th- that photo existed until then. I was a big fan of it. Anyways, we were talking about this opening match, which I really liked, and you were hy- uh, hypothesizing about the, the future roles that UT and Kamei could have in this promotion. Right, yeah, let's get back to that. Uh, it's just something that, like, it's very pointed, like, the fact that Natural Vibes consists of this and the way that, like, we were all like, okay, like, doing this doing the reunion natural vibes felt kind of weird but now we really kind of see like this is a place where like young vibes like shimizu now is has completely you know reset himself and we've seen him as a twin gate champion but it's gonna be so important for like people like kamei like and that was like the the thing that like we, we really fell off on doing like winners of the week but like you look at like how kamei has had his late october early november and it's like I look at him, I'm like, oh, God, this guy's going to be the next KZ. This guy's going to be the next Ginky Horiguchi for, like, the next 15, 20 years. And I'm like, oh, that's why he's in this unit right now. And it just kind of takes me aback. On the flip side of that, and I wrote about this at length in my review. I don't want to totally reiterate my point here. But this match reminded me how good Naruki Doi is because I thought this was an excellent Doi opening match performance. Yeah, no, this was great. Him and Yoshida have good chemistry, and I'm totally on board with you thinking that they're going to be a future Twin Gate challenger either at Origin or at Final Gate. Like, that just feels like the natural kind of conclusion there with this. I, I would like to see some promos between the two of them. I, I want to see Yoshida try to do, like, the standard Doi-Yoshi talk combo. Like, I really want to see that. Dial up KZ, but he's backstage. He just He's not in Mexico anymore. <laughs> he just comes out and like, you guys called me. <laughs> he's coming. He comes out and he still has like an elbow pad on. He's like, 
I was getting changed, man. What's up? Yeah, that that's a fun team. I mean, obviously they have a shelf life, and I I can I continue to be baffled by Doi's lack of presence on these shows. As I've said before, I really thought the back half of this year would be really focused on Naruki Doi, and I'm just I'm shocked that that isn't the case. But this Yoshida team is fun. The Doi Yoshi thing is nice. I pop for it. You know, it's uh, Yoshida. Between this and the Mochizuki tag team, has had a pretty good year by his standards. So I, I have no issue with it. But seeing Doi mix it up with UT and Kamei and, and KZ, they had another electric sequence here. Like, oh, that's right. Doi is really good when he <laughs> even gives minimal effort. I kind of forgot about that just because, you know, he's done nothing this year. He teamed yeah. with Yoshino when Yoshino really struggled to move around. He had one match in King of Gate and then had to quarantine for the rest of it. He obviously had Yoshino's farewell match, which was brilliant, and Doi was tremendous in that match. And then he's gone back to doing nothing. This is the quietest year he's had since 2005 when he joined Blood Generation. Yeah, no, and it's something that, I mean, we're not going to fully break down this card for Corkin. And it, I, there's just one thing I wanted to point out with this. The fact that Doi and Yoshida are teaming in a three-way tag match that Shimizu is in, there we go. Like I, y'all will watch the show. You'll listen back to the show, the, to this podcast. You'll be like, "Oh, right." I just want to say this right now, so it's on record. Basically, like one of Doi or Yoshida is going to be pinning Shimizu in this match tomorrow. Yeah, let's let's run through. Unless you have any other thoughts on Gate of Destiny, why don't you just run through that Corkin card real quick? All right. So this is a a eight thirty start time. And no, sorry, 7.30. God, I'm terrible with time zones. So it's just tomorrow. It's tomorrow, November 5th. Uh, and by the time you hear this, it will have happened. That's what you need to know. I mean, maybe if the show goes up at like at 2 a.m. And, and, and I'm still going to be prophetic. You know, maybe, maybe. Right. Uh, so opening match, uh, Natural Vibes versus R.E.D. Natural Vibes is KZ, uh, Susumu, Ginky, and UT versus Hulk, Kai, Ishida, and SB Kento. Eight-man tag, Ultimo, and the Strong Machine Army have been reactivated. It is J, F, and G versus Kanichiro Rai, Problem Dragon, and the Hashi Brothers. Uh, sorry, Riki Nishin. You've got a tough night ahead of you. Uh, Three-way tag team match. It's not specified as an elimination, so we can assume this is their standard one fall to a finish one. Masaki Mochizuki and Shuji Kondo are the other tag team in this match that also has King Shimizu and JFK and Doi and Yoshida. Uh, match four, Shun Skywalker and, and La Estrella of Masquerade versus Diamante and Hio. Match five, this was something that Case talked about before. High end versus high end. Yamato and Kakatora versus Benkei and Dragon Kid, you know, building up the match in Sendai. And then we have the two matches that were built up before this. Uh, the Dragon Daya versus Daya Inferno. Then the Pro Wrestling Noah GHC Junior Tag Team Championship match. Uh, Pro uh, Pedros de Mal de Japon champion team, Eita and Nosawa Rongai versus Kota Minora and Jason Lee of Masquerade. And a good point that was made on commentary during the Twin Gate match about okay, this is since this is in Dragon Gate, this is a Twin Gate match. It has Dragon Gate tag rules, which are the same as Lucha Libre. This is a GHC title match, so it's going to be held under pro wrestling Noah rules. And Jay brought up the fact that Kota Minora has never been and a non-DG tag match. So that's going to be really fascinating as well, but that's going to be the big show that's coming up tomorrow. It will have English commentary as well. Real quick, 
Who was leaving Cork and Hall as GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions? I think it's... I think it's uh, Paris Amal to help on. I just feel like that way, unless, I mean, Hio, like, fucks up a powder throw again and gets uh, Ata and thinks, like, oh, I'm going to get involved in this here. That's that's the way I see Mino Lee winning, though I think having Mino Lee and Noah just as, like, invading champions be very interesting. I agree with you. I think it's about 70-30 that Nozawa and Ata retain their titles, but I, I certainly cannot rule out Masquerade possibly winning this match. I think that match will be great. There's a, <laughs> there is a really realistic chance that this could be the best match of Nozawa's entire career, given the... Uh, he has to stand on the apron. He doesn't have to do anything in this match. And it could be the best match of his career. And that is uh, saying a lot about Nozawa's career. Now, Case, have you watched enough Pro Wrestling Crusaders to make that statement? No, I I, I have not watched... Uh, one could say enough or any Pro Wrestling Crusaders <laughs> to truly make that statement... I I just I feel confident that yeah. that Nozawa in a match with Jason Lee and Ata is a, an abnormally high bar for a Nozawa match to be at. Oh yeah, no, no, like this is probably one of the greater collections of talent in their prime, I should say, in their prime that he's been <laughs> yeah. in the ring with. I mean, maybe if Dory and Mil Mascaris like showed up 50 years younger, I would be saying something different. But yeah, maybe no, they show up on the show. If Mil Mascaris shows up, he walks. No- Nozawa retains the titles. He grabs the mic. He says, all right, you know, I- I've-, I've defeated these Dragon Gate wrestlers. I want anybody in the world. And it's Mil Mascaris who comes out and he would obviously win the GHC Junior Heavyweight titles with whoever he's teaming with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I guess my question for you is. Do we get to see a Die Inferno mask rip, like his mask ripped tomorrow? Here's like I I think so. Now you're not sold on this. I felt like from the tone of Jay's voice on commentary for Gate of Destiny that he was not sold on this. But we have our main event for Gate of Destiny. Okay, nothing is going to go over Yamato versus Ben K. I think this is it. I I think this is the last we see of Dragon Dia versus Die Inferno. Hey, then we get to see like the masked man code maybe finally like fall to pieces if he's unmasked and everyone see who we presume he is. What if it's not who we presume it is? What if it's someone different case? That would be an awesome twist. If it's not if it's not the guy who has been under the mask for a year now, if it's someone else, that is gonna pop me big. I don't care who's under the mask at that point. I am going to be into that, but it's the guy who we think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somehow it's Kenichiro Arai underneath the mask, then that would be a, I would just be like standing and applauding in my living room, you know. Uh, I, I, I like this card. Uh, uh, Natural Visor's R.E.D. opener is going to be solid. I think Ultimo and the Strong Machines against the Hashis and Arakan and Problem Dragon, because of course that's the team. That's a, that's a fun-looking match. Three-way tag should be solid. Skywalker and Estrella versus Diamante and Hyo is hitting my sweet spot of guys that I'm really into right now. And like I said, that high-end tag, you know, I wasn't into it an hour and a half ago when we started recording this podcast, but I've talked myself into being excited about that match. So this is this is a good-looking cork on the card. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this should be a whole lot of fun, and we'll be back on Tuesday to talk about it. So, you know, you won't be going this long again without a open the voice gate. But, uh, Casey, is there anything else you want to touch on before we got out of here? That is all I've got. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. SpongeGuy, 
just slide into the DMs. We, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, you can follow Case underscore in your case, and I'm at Fujiheya. Thank you for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.